Welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. On the show today, we have an incredible guest, Dr. Pedersen. Dr. Pedersen holds five degrees, including being a naturopath, a naturopathic doctor, a medical doctor. He's board certified in anti-aging and regenerative medicine, which we love because that's what we teach at Richer Health is regenerative medicine, where we use food as medicine and then a natural detoxification protocol to stimulate the body to heal itself and to fully regenerate. So he also holds a master's degree in cardiac rehabilitation 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 and wellness in addition to being the original co-author of chicken soup for the enriched soul and the medical director of my and the medical director of my doctor suggest institute which is an invaluable resource for people out there who are looking to reverse their chronic diseases who are looking to get healthy who need to be treated for acute conditions as well uh, you need to get your hands on the resources that the institute that my doctor suggest institute provides including uh, Dr. Pedersen is also an author, so you can get his books through that web website. He's an expert on women's issues, on the immune system, on the gut and brain axis, the relationship between the gut and the brain and yeast and the gut and the brain. Um, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking extensively about his expert knowledge and all the research he's done on the properties of silver, how to use silver, how to take it for treating a whole host of uh, common issues that plague our society. So I am so excited to have Dr. Pedersen on this show. We are definitely going to have to do a few shows with him because this man is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he's also backed by all the research and science, which I love because there's not too many doctors out there who practice medicine, family medicine, but also are researchers as well. So that's a spe- very special gift. Something that we didn't get into into this show is the fact that Dr. Pedersen was also the only intern of Jonas Sulk, who's noted for the discovery and development of the polio vaccine. So that's huge. So he knows um, so much going back to the history of medicine um, to where it's now. Also knows the intricacies that exist in the politics between traditional medicine or allopathic medicine and the real traditional medicines, um, the ancient medicines, I'll call them. So before we dive into this podcast with Dr. Pedersen, we want to also share some news with you. We are going to have our seventh Green Mustache location opening up in Edgemont Village this summer. We're very excited by that. So if you've never been to one of our Green Mustache locations, please do join us at one of our cafes that serve 100% organic rich, nutrient-dense, delicious, super tasty, plant-based, whole food menu items. We have smoothies and cold-pressed juices and whole food desserts, as well as warm meals, raw meals, cooked meals, truly everything for everyone who is wanting to eat clean food that's unrefined, unprocessed, that comes from our farmers and goes directly to your belly. So check out one of our Green Mustache locations. You can also check up and check out any upcoming retreats we have at our Nutrition and Detox Wellness Center in Pemberton, British Columbia. 
as well. If you can't attend any of our retreats but want to do the Eat Real to Heal program out of the comfort of your home, do sign up for our online course. You can find all this information at richerhealth.ca. So please sign up for one of our online courses. And if you just want to learn more, get a copy of our book, Eat Real to Heal, or hop onto our website where we provide free resources and give you access to hundreds of different book titles that you can get your hands on so that you can learn all of the leading research that's out there on food as medicine and how to use your home, your common sense, your body um, to be able to get the results that you need. Because ultimately at the end of the day, like Dr. Pedersen says, is you are your own doctor and it's really up to you to figure out what is going on. Definitely, if you need a diagnosis, you're going to go to your medical doctor. They're going to help you get that. But it's really when it comes to the healing and the treatment protocol, you are your own doctor and it's up to you to do the research that's out there so that you can choose the treatment options that are right for you. Whether, you know, this might be a combination of um, conventional allopathic medical treatments. And of course, you do need to consider the essence program that Dr. Pedersen talks about in this podcast. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Let us know how it went um, or how it goes for you. I look forward to hearing your feedback and let me know if you apply Dr. Pedersen's principles and get results or our principles, which are really identical. And if you get results, because we want to hear your healing hero stories. So stay tuned and enjoy. Welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast, Dr. Pedersen. Glad to be here. I'm really excited that um, you were able to find us. That's amazing because our podcast is still so new. And I know you had one of your assistants um, that were able to find us. And it was fascinating because our show is really about reversing chronic disease using food as medicine. And so generally we have people who have successfully reversed their illnesses and they want to share their stories. We'll bring them on. But of course, we always have space to bring on uh, medical practitioners and you know any kind of health practitioner, naturopaths. Um, um, and so on, who want to share the stories of how they help their patients as well to use alternative means of medicine to um, help them with their chronic degenerative diseases, which we know are an epidemic in this day and age, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I see it everywhere. It's everywhere. Now, what I loved about when I was um, reading up on you was the fact that you have so many designations. It's incredible. You're a medical doctor. You're a naturopath. Um, you are, I think, five times board certified. I mean, there's just so much that you do. Functional medicine doctor as well. Is that correct? Yes. So why I wanted to have you on the show as well is because I'm also very fascinated and I know our audience will be very fascinated to know about that transition um, from allopathic medicine. And do you like to use that word allopathic and alternative? Well, that's great. I, I actually call it traditional medicine. I call it all. And then I refer to my naturopathic de degree as as the uh, medicine of the past. Medicine. <laughs> and we we just have so many disciplines in medicine and some are great and some are uh, incomplete. I'll call it that. Right. And did you start off by being a medical doctor first and then became a naturopath or vice versa? And how? And well, tell I, me about that story. I want to know about that. Oh, that's a great story. I actually started when I was in my teens 
because my brother came down with Crohn's disease and they said, we don't have a solution. We don't have a cure unless you can find an alternative. And our family started looking. So I went down the path of starting as a PhD candidate in immunology and medical biology. And I ended up getting PhDs in drug research and immunology. And I found that those disciplines didn't take me to a solution for my family. And I started pursuing traditional medicine where I'm now board certified in anti-aging and regenerative medicine. And I learned that discipline didn't have everything I needed. And I started pursuing other areas, the naturopathic doctor, and all of these evidences gave me absolute confidence that no one discipline in medicine has all the answers, and you need to continue to look. For my family's sake, my mom had cancer of the thyroid at 33. My sister had cancer of the thyroid at 33. Many of our offspring have cancer of the thyroid at 33. So that's what drove me to continually look for evidences that would help the body to heal itself. That's my philosophy. I believe the body will heal itself if you give it the proper tools. So what are those tools? They're in every discipline of medicine. Right. And I couldn't agree with you more. We have a physician's training retreat in addition to a wellness center where we also have, you know, people come from all over the world to learn how to do the Gerson therapy, which is predominantly a nutritional and detox therapy for cancer and chronic disease. Now, when people come, the one thing that we teach is how to create a whole health team. And so your whole health team would include a chiropractor, a naturopath, a physician, um, you know, general practitioner, but also an endocrinologist and a functional medicine doctor and, you know, and, and it really, an oncologist perhaps. And so when you look at this, you might have 20 different practitioners, you know, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic. And what you need to do is look at this, um, chart that you create for yourself and decide in this given moment with this particular condition that I need to address, what areas could help me? And it might mean drawing on 10 different areas. It might mean only drawing on one. You know, if you, you know, have a slip disc in your back, you know, you might need rest in a chiropractor or maybe physio and rest and, um, you know, some good um, microbiome nutrition to take the inflammation out of the intestines to take the pressure on the back. So it's a way of getting people to think about how things are connected but also um, letting people know that it's just not one practitioner that has the answer to all illnesses. So that's what I love about you is that you, I mean, you've done the work. You know, I was about to say you're lucky, but you've actually done the work and you've put in the, you know, years of training to be able to be able to pull from all of these different areas. So what did, did you end up finding a solution for your sibling? Oh, well, yes, my brother is still alive at 60. He's had several surgeries, but the Crohn's disease we've kept under control, mostly through silver, which destroys the bacteria, viruses, and yeast. We don't know what the cause of that Crohn's is, but we go after all three. And we follow it up with the, the probiotics and multiple probiotics. And I'm talking about 100 billion active cultures per meal. He's taking so much of this probiotic and it's really helped him stay well and it's helped him stay healthy. His biggest enemy seems to be inflammation. Mm-hmm. And, and then the doctors will prescribe any one of, an anti, any one of many anti-inflammatories. 
but he'll also get prednisone, he'll get Humira, he'll get all these different drugs, and the drugs themselves will kill you over 10 years' time. And so he's had to go on and off of both of these, and he's lived a pretty great life, but had some really scary episodes, if you will, along the way. And so we're trying to keep the family well by using common sense medicine. Mm -hmm. And common sense medicine. So explain that a little bit more for our audience, because I love the sound of that. Well, what happened to me was I, uh, I went to work and founding a clinic called the Total Health Institute. And myself and a, a physician and a chiropractor and a number of other people like physical therapists, we built a building and we called it the Total Health Institute, and people would come in and get a diagnosis from the family practitioner. Then they would be set to utilize all the other efforts that were in the building, chiropractic, and we had a full weight management center, and we had a physical therapist over that, and we started to get so many people that loved it so much that it became very popular. Well, we were charging for the procedures that we were doing to our insurance company. So the medical doctor is writing this up, doing a diagnosis, sending them to help in, uh, in many different areas for weight loss. And we even had an herbal place where we could manufacture the exact proper supplements for the patients. Well, the healthcare industry kind of had this uh, not really fitting into real medical care yet. This is about 10 years ago. And what would happen is the insurance companies would come to our place, investigate what was going on, and then say, none of our patients can come see you anymore. You're providing too much medical care. So Thanks. there's three insurance companies in Utah. And the first one came and said, we're not going to send our patients to you anymore if you're going to provide all this weight loss and all this chiropractic and all of this medical care and supplements and all of this care. You guys aren't doing our protocol and they cut us off. What? And then the other two did the same thing. And so here we are, brand new clinic, $2 million in debt, have this wonderful idea, people loving to come. And the insurance company said, no, we're not going to, we're not going to cover that. So we had to sit down as doctors and physical therapists and chiropractors and decide, what are we going to do with this? Are we going to give up, go back to just practicing the kind of medicine that insurance covers, or are we going to go ahead with this dream we have? And we decided to go ahead with a dream. And what we did was we actually started taking people from the VA hospital, so veterans, and they immediately covered our need for just basically breaking even on all of our nurses and building care. And then we started going ahead and taking families. And we said, look, if you're paying $500 a month insurance, instead of paying that to the insurance company, come pay it to us and we'll be your total health care. Wow. And so they then would transfer the money to us and we would take care of them. Well, in three months, we were, we were totally filled, totally up to complete um, uh, our total peak and no insurance involved. We didn't have to have, have an insurance company take 40% of all of our money because that's what insurance companies do. We didn't have to wait 90 days to get paid when a, a patient came to us. We took control of, of it ourselves and it worked so well and went so well. We were making three times more money than we would have made from the insurance companies. People were loving it. They never had to wait in line. 
we were totally capped out with patients. It worked so well. A different physician came in and said, this is exactly what I want to do and bought us out. And I went, wow, this is fantastic. Now, what we learned is that we can go ahead and do that dream, but insurance isn't going to cover it. Now, how can we do that now with $1,400 a month insurance payments? And then you go to the doctor and you don't even get any kind of support financially until you've paid $5,000 out of your own pocket. People are absolutely bankrupt going to these medical care facilities that insurance covers. So what we've tried to do is try to bring our dream and it's included food and nutrition and supplements and chiropractic and weight loss. And we're doing these things very successfully. But 10 years ago, we were so far ahead of our time that everybody wanted to come see us. And so that's uh, some of my experience I had there. Wow. And have you seen, you know, I hate in this model calling them competitors because it's such a brilliant thing that you're doing, helping people. But have you seen, you know, competitors popping up now with similar models? Yes, there's all kinds of people that are popping up with similar models. And I don't know where it's going to go, but I love it. And I went to England just to look at what their medical care was like. And while I was there, I found out that uh, they have socialized medicine, but about 20% of their population doesn't care to use socialized medicine at all. It isn't adequate and it doesn't give total care. And so 20% of the people in England purchase private care on the side. And that's what I wanted to see with the idea that five or 10 years from now, that may be where we're at. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it was very much like our total health institute was that these doctors are providing care in England for the people who are willing to pay the extra money to have their own personal care. I love this because I think it was about 15 years ago, a girlfriend of mine who she's in healthcare and we sat around and I was first learning about the Gerson therapy. And I thought, you know, what if we could have this integrative wellness center that provides this and you have a medical doctor and a chiropractor and, you know, physician and nutritionist and, um, and physiotherapy, et cetera, et cetera. And it was interesting how the conversation kind of went sideways because it immediately went to like, well, how are you going to pay that one physician? And what if they get the result with the client? And I was like, we don't care. Like, it's really about helping, you know, the patient get well. And what if the whole team gets paid once the patient as well versus, you know, allowing them and perpetuating that sickness and not providing them with the tools that are in our back pocket. And so you manage, obviously, to figure out a financial model that everybody can benefit from the patient as well as all the practitioners. Well, yeah, all, all the doctors, for, for, uh, physical therapists, chiropractors, we were, we were all equal partners. And then we had uh, catastrophic insurance if somebody had catastrophic care and needed major cancer, major heart disease kinds of uh, protocols that would cost a million or $2 million. So it didn't break everybody. And, you know, the other thing I see popping up is these, these uh, health cares where their group health and they're based on a, a Christian organization that says, everybody put all your money in all together and we'll take care of everybody's needs. And it's amazing how fast those kind of groups are growing right now. And they don't have any clinics. They just have money. They're just, we'll take your money. We'll hold it in this pool. Whoever gets sick, you go to your own doctor and we'll just, we'll just pay for it. So they're reinventing insurance again through these group pools. And I don't know where it's going to go, but I do know this. I own a company, and it's called My Doctor Suggests. 
And the person that is the doctor should be you. When you start diagnosing yourself and giving yourself food prescriptions, exercise prescriptions, sleep prescriptions, you are the doctor suggesting for your own self. So that's how I see the future. I basically took all of the information that I'd learned and I laid it out on a gymnasium floor and I put it into segments of what really mattered for people's health, what really mattered for wellness, for this total health care, this total health institute idea to work. And I came up with, you need to eat, sleep, supplement where you have a deficiency you need to exercise daily, you need to neutralize poisons and toxins, drink clean water and, and breathe clean air and neutralize stress. Those are my seven components of wellness and it came into a mnemonic. I put it into an acronym that spells the word essence, eat, sleep, supplement, exercise, neutralize poisons. Uh, we've got clean air and water and eliminate stress. Essence of wellness. So I wrote a book, The Essence of Wellness, where you questionnaire, you fill out your own questionnaire and answer 20 questions about eating habits, then a questionnaire about sleeping habits. And when you get done, you can identify which one of your areas you're weakest at and you should start best at. And then the book tells you about what you can do in those areas. That's what I consider total health. And it starts with eating correctly and removing the poisons from your environment. My gosh, mm -hmm. I wrote a paper on just the poisons of the cell phone, the radiation that we're around all the time. Um, I've done scientific studies on diseases and, and on drugs and on supplements. I even went to Africa and I spent about, uh, over the course of about four years, I ended up publishing a cure in a peer reviewed medical journal for malaria. And it's all natural. And so it doesn't get the same view or the same attention and it won't be covered by insurance. So it's in the alternative area of medicine, but you watch the alternative area of medicine is rapidly becoming the primary care of medicine for people who believe they are their own doctors. Very true. And we're seeing this because of the fact that we've gone through a century of primary medical care and where it just hasn't been working. We're seeing these diseases escalate. We're not seeing results from the pharmaceutical drugs because they're using that as the standalone treatment. Um, we are seeing, you know, that surgeries, you know, we even see now the research coming out on sham surgeries so that, you know, we pretend to do surgeries and people actually do much better when they get a pretend surgery that's not even the surgery itself. And then they go home and then their body just self heals without ever really having the surgery, which is amazing. Um, and so I love this. Yeah, I, I do know that the alternative medical field, like now I can find more articles than ever before being published every single day on every topic that I'm fascinated by. And I'm just loving that versus, you know, even 10 years ago, it was so hard to find information on, you know, different diet therapies and, you know, different minerals and nutrients. And now we're just seeing such extensive research. So let's go back to the point that you touched on um, with your brother and the silver, because silver is something that I have not studied um, extensively. I've done some reading on it, but I'm not even sure of the mechanism of action that works, you know, how it works in the body. So I'm really fascinated because I think silver was also one of the treatments, malaria treatments that you talked that you talked about. Was that part of what you published as well? Oh, yes, it was. And, and silver is all natural to start with. 
But if you're wise enough and have the proper tools to make silver a little bit more enhanced, a little bit safer, a little bit better, working with drugs, all of a sudden it becomes a really valuable tool. So when you realize that two or 300 years ago, silver was used as a silver coin thrown into a water barrel and the water didn't go bad as quickly as if they didn't do that. Australians used to hang a pure silver, silver fork in their milk containers or in their water tanks and the bacteria didn't grow as much. In the plague, during the plague, the people were suffering from a bacterial infection called the plague and it lasted for a hundred years. But the people who survived it survived it by eating off of silverware, pure silver forks, pure silver drinking containers, cups, mugs, plates, even the milk that came in was pure silver. And what they learned was it destroyed the cause of the plague. They didn't know it was a bacteria back then, but that's where we got that cliche. She was born with a silver spoon in her mouth. Have you heard that before? I have. Yeah, I never knew where it came from. I thought it all had to do with wealth more than anything else. It didn't have to do with wealth. It had to do with health. But people who had enough money to eat off of pure silverware survived the plague while people who didn't suffered death from the plague. And so, uh, you know, there's some really great historical stories about silver. Today, NASA sends astronauts up into outer space and they're not going to be able to call a doctor or go to a doctor or have a prescription right there filled in outer space. And they chose to use silver in their water filters, silver in their air filters. And you start thinking about that and you go, wow, if you only had one medicine to take with you, silver, because it destroys bacteria and viruses and yeast, there's no drug that even comes close to doing that. And so that's some of the tools that I'm seeing. Even in the Olympics, the swimming pools now use silver in their filters to filter the water. We're starting to see it everywhere in the medicine world. We're seeing silver needles so you don't get an infection from your needle. We're starting to see silver clothing, silver sutures. All this is starting to come back. And it kind of disappeared back of, back around 1924. And the reason why is silver was in the physician's desk reference 42 times. There's 42 drugs in the physician's desk reference that are for all kinds of ailments. And then penicillin came along. Mm-hmm. Penicillin and the antibiotic changed the world. It's the greatest thing. It's the ultimate wonder drug, they said. Well, it worked so well that people just abandoned using silver and didn't look at it very much. But remember this, when you first started to take the antibiotics, the penicillins, it was required to take a probiotic with and after your antibiotic so that it didn't destroy your digestive system and your immune system. They knew about it. And when penicillin first came out, it was required to have this probiotic, but the probiotics couldn't be patented. Mm. So they rapidly in four or five years just disappeared off the face of the planet. Nobody remembered to prescribe them. Nobody had to prescribe them and penicillin ran its course and we didn't do anything to rebuild the digestive and immune system after the antibiotics. Now, now we have super germs. Now we have all these other problems and it's very, very, 
historical to watch what's happening because silver is making a huge comeback. Harvard even published a study that showed that when you combine silver, liquid silver, with an antibiotic, it pre-treats the bacteria and strips off the resistance that's already there so the antibiotic can work a thousand times better. And you think about that and you go, wow, the history of, of antibiotics includes silver first, and now the future of antibiotics is definitely going to include silver. So that's just some of the history of silver. Wow, I love that. And a few thoughts that were going through my mind is when you're chatting about this is, you know, when you started diving into this research and discovering it, and I mean, I know you did this a long time ago, and your brother was using it, um, which was helpful for his Crohn's. But what were the other professionals in your field saying about you? Because I know even now today, like I have a, a friend who's a physician, he retired, decided to return to food as medicine. And lo and behold, he heals his psoriasis that he's had for his entire life. And of course, he picks up the phone, calls all of his buddies and says, hey, you know what? Did you know that by eliminating like dairy and by eliminating, you know, these foods that are inflammatory foods and if you just start eating more fruits and vegetables and talking about it like this is this brand new like discovery that food is medicine. But of course, his colleagues who he's been buddies with for like 30 years were like, dude, you're a quack. What the hell? You know, like, what are you getting into all that voodoo medicine? And this is in 2019. And so what has it been like for you um, when making that switch? Or did you just not care? Let me tell you how it feels to be a doctor, a medical doctor, and try to transfer over and start to use food as medicine. First of all, you've come through medical school, and you're in debt, $300,000 on average. If you buy a home for yourself, you're now 800,000 in debt. And if you get into a practice, you're now $2 million in debt. And you're only allowed to prescribe medicine in your profession that is listed in the formulary. So a doctor's formulary has a list of drugs and that's it. And if you prescribe outside of your formulary, then you can, you can be called upon charges, put in a little court system, and be, have your medical license taken away. You can't prescribe medicine anymore. So if you're a doctor and you're in debt $2 million, are you going to risk writing a prescription for a probiotic or a vitamin when somebody could call you up and say, I'm challenging you as a doctor, you're practicing outside the limits of this formulary. So most doctors don't want to risk it, but those who do are almost always the doctors who are out of debt, have a liquid income, and have an insurance policy. I know that sounds really horrible, but that's how the law makes you think. So if you're a doctor, you got to be really brave to step outside and start writing a prescription for something that's not in the formulary. So I salute the doctors who do. I recognize the fear that they go through and the worry. So what you're seeing now is you're seeing specialties in medicine where they say it's okay to do that. Like exercise science, the American Academy or American College of Sports Medicine, they now let their specialists write prescriptions for exercise. Well, physicians can't even do that. So they say, oh, go learn about it here or go look it up there, or they'll tell you what to do, but not write it down. This is how doctors think. They think 
I've got to make enough money this month to pay for my building, my nurses, and have a future in this business. And right now, uh, I don't want to risk it by writing a prescription for food. So they don't get trained in it because the American, you know, whatever their American Society of Medicine is, AMA, American Medical Association, if they don't approve it and they don't put it in the formulary, they're not going to teach it at the medical conventions or in the colleges. So what you're starting to see is DO, Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine. And 30 years ago, they didn't even have rights to be in a hospital. They couldn't even put a patient in a hospital. They were quacks. They were totally dismissed and disrespected by all physicians. Yet now, they've been trained chiropractic. They've been trained medicine. They can prescribe medicine. They can do prescriptions for all these different areas. And you're now seeing the doctor of osteopathic medicine having more respect because they do nutritional supplementation, chiropractic, all under one medical discipline, while the medical doctor, MD, is still standing here with this formulary of drugs and surgeries, and that's it. So it's evolving, and the doctors are daring to step outside of their arena, and I really, I want you to know how lucky you are if you can find an MD that dares to step out and start to recommend that, because our doctors are the place to go for a diagnosis. Exactly. If you want to know what's wrong with you, the medical doctor is the guy to go to or the lady to go to. Now, with that in mind, once you have a diagnosis, I predict you can get better treatment sometimes outside of that office because there's so many options and there's so many opportunities in your body is more than just something that deals with chemistry. It isn't just a drug-based body. It's electrical. It's magnetic. It has energies. It has food. It resonates at frequencies. We sleep at night and make all these memories during these frequencies. So why not make it a good frequency? Yeah, light therapy is out there too. Mm -hmm. So I've just thrown a shotgun blast of all these things at you of how a doctor feels. And it's this simple. As a doctor, as a professional, I can follow my profession and don't blame them for stepping outside of it because they could lose their license. Now, knowing that, there's a lot of other people who are daring to step over that and research doctors are showing up all over, starting to identify the benefits of cauliflower or the benefits of broccoli or the benefits of all these different food items. But guess what? you're the doctor of your own body and you should start paying attention to what it is that you eat in the long term to give yourself good health as well as the essence of wellness. Thank you so much for explaining that, especially because for my clients, the number one question they ask me, they say, well, how come my doctor didn't tell me about any of this stuff? And, you know, you heard it from Dr. Pedersen, you know, an MD, a naturopath, um, and a host of all of these other certifications. Um, and in addition to that, being a researcher, which I also love, because I've also heard from many um, uh uh, primary care doctors as well, you know, that they, they just tell me straight out, they're like, oh, I'm not a researcher. Don't, you know, don't talk to me about those, th like the studies, don't talk to me, you know. And so, and I think that's just shocking because I don't think anybody should admit that they're not a researcher because we 
all have the power and the capability to be a researcher, especially when we have Google Scholar at our fingertips and we can just type in whatever we're looking for, whether it's like Crohn's disease and silver or Crohn's disease and nutrition or Crohn's disease and cauliflower. I mean, you can find journal articles, you know, published on so many different topics and you just need to go into Google Scholar and you can at least find them and then, you know, and you might have to pay to get access to some of the journal articles, but we have so many researchers and institutes out there that are actually providing these journal articles for free, providing it open source now. So there's really no reason for somebody to not dive into the research and just start asking questions. So let's go back to the silver. I know we're jumping all over the road here, but I needed to know that question about how you... That's why they'll listen to you is because you'll talk about what matters. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. And so let's jump into the silver. How does silver work? Like, I understand, you know, that it said it will strip that, um, you know, the, um, the membrane of the bacteria and then, you know, allow it to break down. But how does it not affect our good bacteria and our good microbiome? Or does well, it? The answer to the last question is that the good bacteria in your gut has to sit in a highly acidic environment because of stomach acid. Because of that, that one bacteria has a defense mechanism and it's a milk fat coating that it secretes from inside the cell to coat itself like an M&M has a sugar candy coating around it to protect the chocolate inside. Well, your probiotic bacteria secretes a milk fat coating so that the stomach acid won't dissolve or destroy the bacterial cell. Now that good bacteria has a milk fat coating and silver is a liquid. Purified water, a structured water is used and it carries silver particles so it can't penetrate fats like it, like uh, other objects can. So it's this simple. All the other bacteria have a single cell membrane and silver can destroy that membrane. So it kills all the bad bacteria, but good bacteria have a little milk fat coating that silver can't penetrate. So it's very simple. The milk fat coating protects you from the water soluble silver. And so you don't destroy your good bacteria. That is incredible. So then I'm thinking about, you know, clients that I've had who've had really amazing success with changing their their diet, but we know that they also have SIBO, um, which is... Um, it's bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine. So SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth for our listeners out there. And if you have that, um, know that there are several ways that you can be helped. So does silver help with that? As That's well? fantastic for that. Here's what goes on in the intestines. You've got a bacteria that breaks down food into little slurries, little, little smooth particles that can be absorbed into the bloodstream. And you need that good bacteria, and we call those probiotic. Well, then you can develop a competition for that same food source with yeast. And if yeast is in there and bacteria, they both are just doing a benefit for the body unless, let's say, you take an antibiotic. Now, an antibiotic comes in and kills all the bacteria, all of it, good, bad, everything. You know this because you have diarrhea. And the diarrhea is just evidence that you've killed all the good bacteria as well as the bad. Now the yeast though is harmful because yeast can overgrow in the intestines and it will actually feed off the lining 
of the intestines, making little holes in it, and now you have leaky gut syndrome. Yeast also, when fed sugars, makes it blow up with a lot of gas, and then you stretch the intestine, you eat the little um, linings of the intestine, and you absorb poisons. That's why antibiotics are so harmful, but if you can get good probiotic bacteria in immediately after you're done taking the antibiotic, you can regrow good bacteria. So what's happened oftentimes is people eat too much sugar and when fed sugar, it becomes even worse because it produces a lot of gas and makes holes in the intestines. You now have leaky gut syndrome. Silver comes in and destroys the bad bacteria, leaving the good, destroys the yeast, destroys the viruses, so it's a perfect cleanse just before you start taking a new diet that's sugar-free and you start taking probiotics. So what I recommend and what I do is that I'll actually take one ounce of liquid silver in the morning and at night for five days. After that five days, I start taking the probiotic bacteria. I've now cleansed the bad, restored the good, and now my diet is going to have a perfect place to get rid of that bacteria that was harmful in your gut. Wow. And how long after, uh, Dr. Zach Bush, I don't know if you followed his research as well, but uh, Dr. Zach Bush is very much into soil regeneration and obviously gut uh, microbiome regeneration as well. And, you know, restoring the leaky gut and the gap, tight gap junctions and so on. So, you know, a lot of people ask me, how long does it take to restore the gut lining from someone who's had leaky gut for someone who has taken antibiotics and to get rid of the leaky gut? How fast can that occur? Is it months, years? I've seen it happen in about two months, and that's average. Some take longer, some take less. But when you realize that you've got something that silver does that destroys the problem, number one, the cause of it, and then number two, it leaves behind stem cell activation. So the silver is actually activating the stem cells, and by doing so, you're getting that healing effect, and it really cuts the healing time in half. So that's why silver works so well. Now, leaky gut symptoms can be reduced in the first week, mm-hmm. and you can destroy the yeast with silver. You can take the probiotics, and what you've done is you've reduced the inflammation, you've reduced the gas that's really causing the stretching of the intestine. And what happens in leaky gut is if you're feeling a stabbing pain, that's usually too much gas being produced, bulging out the intestine and feeling a stabbing pain. If you're feeling a dull pain, it's most often some of the yeast that's just trying to consume the lining of the intestine. You see, yeast secretes a poison and the poison liquefies the lining of your intestine, then the yeast consumes that slurry, leaving a small divot there. So that's what you're feeling with the dull pain. And so people get to start diagnosing themselves, and they realize, lose the sugar, number one. No more antibiotics, if possible, number two. Number three, let's get the bad things out of the gut with silver. And then number four, rebuild with probiotics. Now, there's a lot of other things that you can do, but those are my those are my common sense medicine uh, basic steps. 
Awesome. And then obviously diet has, you know, a big role in that. So when, and I know a lot of people when they talk about sugar, I mean, they're thinking like, I got to get rid of all the fruits and I have to get rid of the potatoes and I need to get that. So can you just clarify the whole, you know, eliminate the sugar piece? Because I know I'm going to have a lot of people being like, I can't eat anything. There's sugar in everything. <laughs> if it's processed, eliminate it. Awesome. That means processed sugars too. Now let's talk about fruit because I get asked every single person I've ever consulted with, can I eat fruit? There's fruit sugar. Well, fruit has fructose in it. And fructose is a natural sugar that's a little bit longer chain molecule and it doesn't break down as quickly. So with that in mind, you can have some fruit. What I mean by that is you're not going to make your whole diet about fruit and just fall in love with and crave the sugars from fruits as your main diet a staple. It's not going to happen because that's too much sugar. But you can have fruit, like one pear for uh, a meal or one apple or one kind of a fruit that's sweet enough that you'll get that satiation from your sugar addiction, but you're not doing anything that's processed and you're not doing any of the fruits in any large amount. And usually in the first two or four weeks, we do say no to fruit altogether until you can start to add a little bit back at a time. But recognize fruit sugar is processed differently by the body than processed sugar. So fruit sugars take a little longer to break down, a little bit longer to digest, and you don't send out as much insulin because of that. So again, three bullet points about this. Fruit should be stopped altogether for that first month that you're cleansing the system. Then you can bring it back and you can have it, but you can have it in moderation. And you don't want processed fruit, or excuse me, don't want processed sugars of any kind. And that includes maltodextrin that they're actually putting out there and claiming is a protein. It's a milk fat. It's not a sugar. So they're kind of sneaky ways to get around what a sugar is. And usually if it tastes sweet and it's sweeter than sugar and it causes mental problems as well. So you probably only have about maybe 1% of your diet that's going to have any kind of sweetener because all of the sweeteners can be bad for you during this time period. But after a month, after cleansing and rebuilding, you'll be able to bring sweeteners back into your life very minimally though. Yeah, I like that. And that's very similar with the Gerson therapy as well. Um, and most people find too, when they're eating, you know, a beautiful diet of real food. So I often just tell people, you know what, just get away from anything that has a label. I mean, you can get all the nutrients you need from, you know, the produce section. And, you know, you don't even have to worry about having to understand the food labels because you're just going to buy everything in its whole form. And same thing, you know, fruit is minimal on the Gerson therapy. It's predominantly the vegetables that are really, really important. And then a little bit of grains as well. And, you know, when you do that, it's amazing how quickly the the gut heals itself. Um, so yeah, definitely on the same page there. So with the silver, it's interesting. I just shot some silver at my nose the, um, I think this morning or yesterday, I take it, you know, anytime there's a bug going around. So what is the best way to take silver? Is it nasal spray, capsules, liquid, tincture? I mean, there's so many different types. Because you're going to be your own doctor, you need to realize that silver will destroy bacteria, viruses, and yeast on contact if it stays in contact with the germ for two minutes. 
So if you're going to spray a liquid up in your sinuses, it can go up in there and maybe it'll just run off and it didn't stay for two minutes. So doesn't it make sense to spray it then a minute or two later, spray it again? That, that's common sense medicine. I like liquid silver swallowing two teaspoons twice a day. So you just swallow two teaspoons twice a day. Now you've got it in your bloodstream working from the inside. Then common sense said, I want some gel. I want to put it on my hands. This is where 70% of our germs come from that make us sick. So it's easy. Silver gel on your hands works far better than any of these uh, Purell type of hand sanitizers. I'm going to come back to that topic when I get to it in a minute. That's For a big sure. one right now. It is. So gel stays in place longer on wounds, in wounds, for burns. You can put it in your mouth even and it'll stay in place around your mouth. Brush your teeth with the silver gel. And then one of my favorites is this. <laughs> I just happen to have one here. When I'm overworking my voice, I take a silver lozenge. So my doctor suggests the only ones that do these, these are sugar-free. I do have six different flavors, but a silver lozenge, watch how easy this is. You take it out of its wrapper we put it in and now I've got 25 minutes of my mouth and throat being bathed in silver and it's a sugar-free lozenge to keep my mouth moist as well. So this is terrific for cold and flu season. This is terrific for people who use their voices. These are what I give to my singers of opera at Juilliard. This is what I give to my rock bands who are screaming too much and have worn out their voices. These are the kind of things that we're helping. But you've got liquid, you've got gel, you've got lozenges. We have lotion for moisturizing skin with silver in it. Um, we have soaps. And the reason, let, let me cross over into the, the, the soap and the hand sanitizer area. And a week ago, the FDA came out and banned, that's the word they used, FDA banned 28 of the 31 ingredients found in hand sanitizers because they are harmful to the body and they don't do what they say they do. And I said to myself, we've been saying this for years, but nobody believed us. So the hand sanitizers, you get a squirt, you put it on your hands, it does not kill all the germs. And that means you think, I'm totally free of germs and poisons. No, it doesn't kill all the germs. It doesn't kill the bacteria, the viruses, or even the yeast. And so what happens is you think you're getting totally, uh, a total protection and the germs that stay, that didn't die, have now become super germs. Exactly. We call them hospital-acquired germs, hospital-acquired bacteria. They're so strong, we don't have any antibiotics that can kill them. Why? Nurses have been using these hand sanitizers thinking they're clean. Then they go patient to patient to patient, sharing the stronger germs that get stronger every time. So the FDA banned them. Soaps are in that same category, where they have products like sodium lauryl sulfate, that are actually causative of abnormal cell growth. And all these big name chemical names, they started with a name, two years later they came out with a number, PEG413. Three years later they came out with another name and another name, and it's the same ingredient but they keep repatenting it so they don't have to take it off the market. And now we have poisonous soaps and we have psoriasis and seborrhea and all these problems with our skin in addition, hand sanitizers aren't getting rid of the germs and they've been banned. Now with that, 
the Michigan University Medical School uh, um, Public Health Department came out with an article and recommends that silver is what we should be using on our hands in a gel. So we just now have the perfect replacement and my doctor suggests, forget all the hand sanitizers, they're causing health problems. Now we have silver in a gel form that you put on your hands and in one minute it's dry. It'll give you five hours of protection. Well, this works great for women who may have blemishes or pimples and they have acne problems. Wash your face, pat it dry while it's still warm and, the moist, and moist, the liquid gel goes on and in one minute it dries. Now you have a barrier you can put your makeup on over, but that is what is protecting you from the bacteria that's causing acne and pimples and breakouts and premature aging. And silver leaves behind the stimulation of stem cells, your own cells that heal your body with half the time and half the scarring. So I went on and on and on a tirade there, but I'm so excited that the world finally knows to ban those harmful chemicals in hand sanitizers. And we now have a great solution with silver gel. Exactly. And it's a natural solution as well. So it's, you know, attacking the bad bacteria, but then our good bacteria get to thrive. It's stimulating, you know, our stem cells, which is so important for regenerate for regeneration and for healing. And, you know, remind you reminded me of when my daughter, who's now 14 years old, but when she was two years old, she woke up after we had put her to bed, she somehow got out of her crib and came down the hallway and grabbed a hot cup of tea that we had just poured and we had turned her back. We didn't even hear her get out of bed. And we just heard this scream as she dumped it down her front. And so she had third degree burn on her chest. I mean, I instinctively like just grabbed her and put her, jumped into the shower, you know, with her and we just doused her in cold water for a few minutes. Um, and then of course we took her to the hospital, but what did they put on her chest was a silver lining. So they just cleaned it put yep. this silver lining on and said, do not touch it for at least three to four weeks. And it was amazing because when we removed the patch, I mean, she had no scar left whatsoever. It was incredible. And when I was in Africa, I was born in Africa, actually in Malawi. And when I was a year and a half, I had done the exactly the same thing, except I had taken a hot pot of boiling water. And, you know, my mom was out of the kitchen for a second and I dumped the whole thing on my face, on my chest, my synthetic dress that I was wearing at the time melted into my skin. So when we, they, my parents took it off, it took everything. So I had to live in the hospital for 10 days. Um, but it was interesting because I really want to figure out what they put on me because it wasn't what the way they treat burn victims now. And in fact, I don't have a single scar anywhere on my body from that burn. I mean, I was young, but I have a friend who was a year and a half at the same time and he had to get, you know, years of skin grafting done. Um, but, you know, and he, this happened here in Canada, same sort of situation, got rushed to the hospital. And I want to figure out what they were using back in 1976 in Canada um, to treat burns versus what they were using in 1976 in Malawi to treat burns because whatever they used there did not leave a scar. So whatever they use, like clearly, you know, triggered something in my body. So I'm curious to know what that is. But yeah, silver is definitely the choice for burn victims as well, which is very cool. Well, yeah, the number one tool that burn units use now is a silver gel. And a, a silver gel is important because it does just what we talked about, destroys bacteria, viruses, yeast. Now, those are the obstacles for the wound to heal. Now, once the wound closes, 
stem cells are being activated and mobilized so that it knits your body back together. A stem cell is an immune cell. And this immune cell has the ability to become whatever is needed. It can become a ligament or it can become a tendon or a skin cell or a lymph node. It can become whatever is needed. It's the magic of healing that modern medicine can't really explain totally, but we know that they work. So stem cells help the healing process and they're your own stem cells. So you did the perfect thing with your daughter. You immediately got that wound in the shower and cooled it off, take the heat out of the wound and then got her some help and silver in a moist form will keep the wound moist, the germs out and the stem cells active. That's a great combination. You did the perfect thing. Yeah. And we were also fortunate too with the doctor that we got because he knew so much about how the body self heals. And he said, you know, this is something we're using here at this hospital. And I was like, oh, you're not using it at other hospitals. And he's like, and and they weren't at that time. And, you know, of course, we got to dive into the topic of, you know, sunscreens and, you know, everything else, which we won't get into now unless you have something spectacular to say about it. Um, But just leave it, leave it with burns. The silver gel from my doctor suggest is the perfect thing right after your sunburn all summer long i gotta tell you 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 can turn a burn back to a non-harmful burn overnight with silver gel it's amazing it's a miracle even even diaper rash which is basically a chemical burn in in a matter of an hour and a half can be resolved Exactly. Yeah. Parents do need to know that they think that often, oh, it's their baby and, you know, they just naturally have, you know, sensitive skins. But you have to remember that the diapers that they're using and the cleaning products and the creams and I mean, those are all chemicals that are interacting with your child's bottom. And of course, it's the bacteria overgrowth and the yeast overgrowth that develops from that. And so to try and treat that, I mean, it completely makes sense why you'd want to have a silver product, baby product that has silver in it. So I remember researching silver. I mean, this is going back years when I first learned about it, like maybe 10, 15 years ago. And of course, what you know, I was able to find then is the harmful effects of taking silver. But then what I quickly learned as well was that, um, you know, I, and of course, I saw pictures of people who were blue. Right. So they're not expelling. They're, so just explain that because people are going to automatically look. They're going to Google and say, what are the harmful effects of taking too much silver? Well, silver doesn't have any harmful effects. In fact, we put it in the infant's eye five minutes after a baby is born. Your most sensitive organ at the most vulnerable time in your life, and we put liquid silver in there to kill the bacteria so the infant doesn't go blind. So the the all-natural silver doesn't have a side effect. The blue man, by the way, used a silver that was totally different than the silver we have now. For instance, when they interviewed him on TV, He turned blue because the silver accumulated in his body because it was an an acid silver. He started with nitric acid, put in a silver coin, and it dissolved the silver coin into a liquid, just like Alka-Seltzer would dissolve in water. Then he would drink a half a gallon of that every day. Well, if you drank that kind of silver, you might turn blue, but guess what? We use magnetic resonance now. We take silver with pure structured water and purified silver and we pulse it with an electromagnetic pulse so that one molecule at a time, the silver is exits the silver rod and bonds 
to the oxygen molecule of the water. Now we have water that has a little particle of silver in it and it's safe and it's beneficial. But yeah, the blue man turned blue because he made his own and he made it with an acidic form of silver. So this brings us to one other point. My doctor suggests has silver in a structured alkaline form is the only silver that is not that, that is alkaline. All the rest are acidic. So you got to realize the new technology applies to my doctor suggests silver. All the other silvers are acidic. And when you realize all the other silvers are acidic, you don't want to take those every day. Yeah. But when you realize we now have alkaline silver and it works in Africa, in published studies, in non-toxicology kind of settings, you know that you now have something you can take daily. That's why it's so special. That's my cause. I've worked with silver sole. I've worked with silver hydrosol, with colloidal silver, with ionic silver. Those are all acids. This is alkaline and your body wants alkaline and rejects the acids. Okay, I love that. That's really helpful to know, especially because I went when we were building out our restaurant and just in case people don't know, um, we have a collection of seven plant-based whole food, 100% organic restaurants that don't use any refined products um, and that are predominantly like 90% um, sodium oil and sugar free, refined sodium oil and sugar free. So I remember when I was building the restaurant, I was buying a lot of things on Craigslist because we like to reuse, um, you know, fridges and reuse everything and, and not be using new resources. So I showed up at this guy's house. Can't even remember what I was buying. It might have been like, I don't know. Uh, restaurant chairs and then he started telling me about silver the silver product that he makes in his garage and he's like you got to take it and he literally had it in like in a two liter jug and I was like uh -huh. I don't know if I'm gonna buy this silver liquid that you're making who knows maybe he was making it the right way I didn't know enough to question it now I know I have enough information but um yeah for people out there definitely if you're making your own um I would suggest um maybe going with a reputable company like Dr. Pedersen. So your company actually makes um, a brand that's available for sale. Is that correct? That's correct. And you can get it on the website, mydoctorsuggests.com. And yeah, we make it and we're the only ones that make the alkaline form of silver because I've been doing research on this for so many years. I've been affiliated with all the different kinds of silvers and I really wanted to help the people of Africa. And the only way we could give it to them on a daily basis was to give them an alkaline silver. So that's what motivated the change in the, the product development. And it was very, very important to, to be able to have an alkaline structured silver because it works better, destroys pathogens more, works with the body, works with the immune system. And you don't have to worry about the acidic blue man problem. Right, exactly. And does it help with parasites? It does. Now, malaria is a parasite. It's okay. called a plasmodia, but it's actually a parasite. And I also did a study with the U.S. military on leishmaniasis. And that's a parasite from raw water that can get in your eye and cause you to have like pink eye kind of effects. And it works on that. But I haven't tested it on most parasites. I've only tested it on maybe, maybe uh, 20 or 30 percent of parasites. And it does work on most of the parasites I've tested it on, but it uh, hasn't been tested enough for me to make a, any, any further uh, in, 
I guess I would just be saying, if you have a parasite, you probably want to try it and then you'll know, but I don't have enough studies to make any statement. Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing that I think is a really important point to bring up because of the fact that everybody wants to say, well, there's not enough studies done on nutrition, which in fact there are, but people all come out and say there's not enough studies done on that, so therefore I'm not going to do it. Whereas we know that the way advancements have been made in knowledge and science is by using your body as a living laboratory. So, you know, if it's something that is, you know, relatively safe, you know, you can try in certain cases to use it on yourself and see. So, you know, if you know that you can take silver for bacteria, why not try it for the parasitic infection as well and see what happens? You know, so that's a way that you can, you know, experiment with that. And then, you know, if it works, you can, you know, share that information with others. You could write to, for example, doctors and suggest that, hey, you might want to do further studies. It worked for me in this case. And so you know that it's safe. Um, you know, to do so because you're already taking it in a safe way anyway. So that's just a way that people can do that as opposed to just like limiting yourself and not even trying it as well. So of course, you know, you're going to have to obviously use common sense. And we've talked about the using of common sense, but I mean, you are your own doctor. So use a common sense as well um, when you're doing that. I do have a funny, uh, an ironic story about that. I would, I went to a veterinary convention where there's uh, all the veterinarians there and they're studying all the research. And I've done a lot of research with animals and done a lot of products for animals. And silver is fantastic for the animals. And I got to stand up and make a presentation about how the silver gel works on horses and dogs and works with all these wounds and bites and all these great things. And somebody raised their hand and asked if the research had been done on animals or not, because they're very sensitive to that. And I said, well, in this case, all of the research on bacteria, on viruses and yeast has actually been performed on humans for animal use. And I thought that was kind of a unique twist on what's going on in the world today. Well, I know our staff who are predominantly vegan, that they would love that story for sure, that they were like, yes, just experiment on the humans and let's save the animals from all the harm. Um, Yeah. yeah, So I love that. That's a great story. And speaking of animals, it's interesting. I read a really great, uh, well, for me, I thought it was a great book years and years ago called How Doctors Lie and, or yeah, How Doctors Lie. And it, you know, he, the doctor who wrote the book, he was a, a veterinarian and the part that's so fascinating about the book was that when it comes to farmers I mean there's so much money that goes into nutritional research for farm animals because of the fact that if they are nutrition nutritionally depleted it you can lose a whole herd of animals if they don't have enough iodine if they don't have enough calcium or magnesium or you know all of that so there's been all this nutritional science done um, in the veterinary side but then he said well why wouldn't we apply that same research to humans like, do humans not need iodine? Do humans not need, you know, magnesium? Do, you know, and so this book really talked a lot about that. And there's a lot that we can learn because obviously vets, I mean, or farmers cannot afford to take their animals to the vet every time one gets sick or a whole herd gets sick. So they do have to manage their health preventively um, from a prevention side, whereas, you know, we have not done such a great job of doing that on the human side. So there's a lot to learn by looking at the, at those two professions for sure. It's fantastic. I know an old farmer and he's a veterinarian and he said, I just take a look at what I'm putting in the front end and I take a look at what's coming out the back and by my nose and my sight, I can tell exactly what I should do to put in the front end. 
And I said, do you do that at home? And he goes, oh, yeah, my wife does that to me. I, anyway, I got a kick out of that. <laughs> That's hilarious. My kids are going to get a kick out of that because I'm always checking in with them like, how's your poo looking this week? You know, anybody have constipation or diarrhea that I need to know about? And my 14-year-old's like, mom, please, you know, where's my 8-year-old? She's always like, mom, come check out my poo. <laughs> so, you know, I well, hope but that... You bring up a huge point and nobody wants to talk about the word constipation. But when you realize if you're constipated, You've got 66 feet of tubing here we call intestines. Now, if you're constipated and it backs up and you have sugar in there and it's feeding the yeast that's in there, and let's say you ate a bunch of fruits and vegetables and they're all in there and they stay in there for two days, they ferment. And you have your own personal still. And the alcohols and aldehydes are being absorbed into your body and you can tell because you get that kind of brain fog. It's low dose alcohol toxicity. We've measured it. So people that are constipated are backing up toxins and those toxins end up in the brain. And not only does it hurt, not only is it bad for the immune system, you'll know it in your brain over time. So constipation is one of the worst things that we ignore in the medical world because no one wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to say, what does this mean? And then over time, we overstretch the intestines and have other problems. Anyway, sorry about going off. I was just giving you credibility to your kids that you're doing the right thing. Thank you. And you know what? You're right on topic with that, too, because it's the number one thing we discuss with our clients um, when they switch their diet. I mean, they're going to be building up all this new bacteria in their intestinal tract. And, you know, and it takes time when they start putting all of this plant fiber into their body as well. So they have to go through that transition. But what I love is that it stimulates that peristalsis action in your intestines. And all of a sudden they start to feel movement again. And they're like, what's happening in my gut? Like, it feels like there's a snake in there. I'm like, yeah, that snake is literally your intestines that are starting to move things through. And then um, I always joke about how my next book's going to be called Eat Clean, Poop Big, because all of a sudden <laughs> they, nice. they start having these incredible bowel movements, like sometimes on day two of starting like 24 hours after, you know, switching their diet and, you know, a week later, and they just can't believe how much stuff can come out. And really, it just, it has not been moving for years. And I have clients who like literally go to the bathroom once every four or five days, have a bowel movement. Like that's how backed up. But I love your point because I've never heard it explained that way from that um, fermentation state with the yeast and the fact that it is producing its own alcohol. So you are your own distillery, which is why you feel hung over every single morning when you wake up, when you are in that constipated state for so long. So yeah, no, I think that is brilliant. And I'm going to be sharing that analogy with so, I mean, it's not analogy, it's science, but I'm going to be sharing that picture with people so that they understand and that they will hopefully enable them to take action sooner than later. Because well, my, my daughter says, my daughter's 29 and a half now, wow. because 29 is so much younger than 29 and a half. We say 29 and a half. And she says to me many times, Dad, how come all of the guests you bring over for dinner always end up talking about their bowel movements? And I think you're going to have kind of the same uh, detriment on the other hand. No, you know how many people you're going to help. You know how many people are going to be happy and healthy and their moods change. And it's so good and it's so beneficial. If you just pay attention and you just become your own doctor, the essence of wellness is paying attention. And constipation is one of those issues. 
Yeah, no, it, yeah, you're bang on with that. And people really do have to pay attention to that because all too often they, and you have to become your own doctor because all too often they go to the doctor saying, hey, I'm constipated or I have diarrhea or, you know, my bowel movements don't look normal. And all too often their GP will say, oh, you know what, that's normal. Or, you know, they don't ask enough questions or they say, hey, you know what, just take a laxative. And it's like, well, the, the laxative is not the answer to constipation, right? Nope. It's like, you know, a very, very short-minded, narrow-minded, you know, view that's only going to exacerbate the problem. And then, you know, I'm about to meet with a client who, you know, she has or she has damage from being on laxative for so long that she has necrosis of her, um, you know, intestinal tissue. And because of the damage that those laxatives, laxatives, laxatives have caused, but, you know, ultimately for her, um, you know, she had switched her diet, which was amazing. And now she's seeing reprieve from that and some healing from that. But, you know, add the silver in there and then hopefully we can speed up the, the healing process and stimulate those stem cells as well. So, you know, people need to know that constipation and diarrhea are not normal and you need to address it immediately. Immediately. Yeah, good call. What else can I do to help? Well, I want to know, okay, so we've talked about what that was like transitioning, um, you know, into from the traditional medicine into... Oh, this complementary medicine, which is so powerful because there's so many doctors out there that are hurting. They're practicing medicine in, you know, what really is a sick care system. They don't know how to get out of it. So I think that story has been incredibly powerful for any doctors out there, you know, I, you know, that need to, or, or trying to figure out a way to transition. So we've talked about the colloidal silver, which I love. Thank you so much. I feel so much better. I'm being a researcher. I need proof and I need to hear the explanation, especially from the science, the science side of it as well, that make me feel comfortable. And to tell you the truth, thank you so much. I feel so much more comfortable knowing that as well. Um, what I want to know about is this, do you still have the Integrative Wellness Center now, Total Health, or you sold that? I sold that and I'm doing more and more and more with research and I've written four or five books in the last little while. I'm trying to take research to the common person. And the reason why is because I publish studies and we put it in the medical journals and we, we mention it in all of the, the uh, conferences that we go to and we train the doctors and it doesn't get anywhere if it doesn't have a pharmaceutical or drug rep attached to it coming to the office every day. So I've decided that I want to take this cause to the world. And the cause is very simply this, that the essence of wellness, eating, sleeping, supplementing, exercising, neutralizing poisons, clean water and air and eliminating stress that is your responsibility. And I've written a book and in the book, let me see if I got it. Here. What's the book called? I didn't mean to have it here, but I do now that I have it. I'll oh, kind of put it up there. Not, is it too shiny? Anyway. Oh, no, that shows up well. The Silver Solution. The Silver Solution. And what's happened here is this book is if you go through it, there's, there's uh, 480 different ways that you can use silver in here. And look at that. I opened it to Essence of Wellness by accident. I was really lucky. And it talks about all the different things and eating and sleeping, all this stuff. But it also gives you solutions if you have problems in that area. And so what happens here is this book has gone out there and it was also had a whole section, a chapter on malaria. And I took this book and wrote it over the course of I don't know how many years on how to use silver because it destroys bacteria, viruses and yeast. Well, I got, the case, I got a chance to go to, to uh, the Malaria Foundation, and I went to a meeting, and I presented this. And when I got home, this is a great story. <laughs> I got home, 
two weeks later and I got a one foot by one foot square box and it had one of those emblems where the wax is melted and they put their emblem in it and a gold foil sticker from from England from I'm like what is this I got this from from the royal family oh my office went crazy they're like you got to open that right now I opened it up and inside it had four of my books and a written letter handwritten letter Prince Charles, Prince Harry, Nelson Mandela, and their prime minister had all come to my convention, uh, come to the convention on malaria. They're in charge of it. Mm-hmm. They're in the World Health Organization. They're in charge of the Malaria Foundation. I presented a non-prescription cure for malaria. They sent my book to me and asked me if I would autograph it to them. Imagine that one. Imagine mm-hmm. writing a prescription uh, for somebody famous, but I got to autograph my book and send it back to those four people. And in my lifetime, I thought that was one of the best compliments. So know that when you get this book and my website will send it to you free, if you can just get this cause out and just help people just spread the word, you're going to see that it's going to change the world. My goal is that we'll use one tenth of the antibiotics in five years that we use right now. And the reason why is silver can work. You can take it preventively. And if you do have to combine it with an antibiotic, it makes the antibiotic a thousand times stronger. So that's my goal is to help change the world with malaria in Africa and that antibiotics will be used one-tenth as much. So that's, uh, that's my background, my motivation, and uh, my goals are to help in that area now. That's really amazing. Um, and we are going to help you spread that word for sure. And you reminded me too of uh, the Gerson Institute as well. They received a plaque from Prince Charles because of the fact that the Gerson therapy had helped one of his friends heal um, from end stage cancer and said, you know, the world needs to know about this. And so I remember seeing the plaque on the wall and like that's signed by the royal family and Prince Charles like that's pretty amazing um and yeah so it's we're going to help you get that word out of there what I want to know is why malaria like how did you get so passionate about that like why not diabetes or something else like for you was there a personal relationship to it well my personal relationship was to my children and my daughter had to go into the hospital and had to have some surgery and it just scared me to death and it hurt my heart so bad to see children, surgery, sicknesses and pediatric wards. I'm just touched by little children and how much they suffer. They don't even know why. And then I went to a medical conference and saw that malaria was killing 55% of all children before the age of five. And I said, we wouldn't even allow that to happen in America. We'd be on that so fast. We'd be doing. And I just said, I need I need to do everything I can possibly do for the children on that topic. And I just flew over there and went to work and I got done publishing a a study and the word cure was allowed after 18 months. And so I've published a cure for malaria using non-prescriptive silver. And while I was there, I taught the orphanages how to make their own. If they would learn how to read and do pharmaceutical sciences, and you know what happened in their lives was instead of seeing the five dead babies every morning that we were having in these orphanages, they now were sitting around reading. 
and they were learning and they were educating and they started building my silver to where they were well then they'd sell the other half of it to the city. Now they have money to build uh, concrete and brick buildings. They are building houses. They have a school. They have a library. And you know what it did? It took the lowest of the low economically. And because of this process, they're now full business owners in the orphanages is full funded. They have buildings. And I didn't expect that to happen. But along the way, if you just follow your dream, God will make not only health happen, but wealth follows as well. It really, really does. And talking about the wealth side of it, is it expensive to produce the silver or, you know, and where do you get the silver from and how does that work? Is it going to be something that if, you know, let's say the pharmaceutical industry really jumps on this, that they're going to be, you know, working with governments and putting it in our water and then hoarding silver <laughs> and making it not available to us? Like what's going to happen with on the economic I, you, side? You are good. I haven't thought all those things through just now, but I do know this that in 1924, the patent on silver expired. It was already listed as 42 different drugs in the physician's desk reference, and the patent expired. And so pharmaceutical companies have zero interest in developing a product that they can't patent and then mark the price up 5,000 times as much. So in that respect, silver is the medicine of the average person, and it's going to continue to be inexpensive. And you don't have to worry about somebody buying it and marking it up to $5,000 a dose like you're seeing in the pharmaceutical world right now. Okay, amazing. And so these countries that, you know, don't have economic wealth, they're able, you're teaching them to make it on their own, which I think is really incredible. They can start their own businesses around it, which is phenomenal. It makes me want to go back to my grandmother's village in Chiritsulu, Malawi, and, you know, share this information with them, because I know that they would love that. Um, And now, can it go into our water system, though? Or is that something? Have you thought about that? Well, if you realize that the groundwater, that rain falls on the mountain, it goes through the ground soils, and silver is one mineral that is in every type of soil. Silver is what purifies our groundwater right now. And so what happens is the rain falls, it goes through the silver and the sand and the clay, whatever it's in, and then it hits the creek, and the creek bounces it around and vortexes it essentially, And they say that the best water we have is those high mountain creeks that have been purified by silver already. So no, we don't need to put silver in our water. We don't need to put uh, silver in any governmental place. But I do do have a letter who wrote a letter to Homeland Security requesting that we stockpile this silver so that we will have it in case of an emergency. So that's already been that high up in the government look at, and they they thought, you know what, we have a stock of 10 or 20,000 gallons of this in case we need it. And the times you would need it was would be uh, if you had a flood and everything that got wet was now growing mold, you could spray the silver on the mold, plus you could take it internally. If you had an outbreak of all these different times of epidemics, it's there and available for any and all types of epidemics. And it works in combination with antibiotics. So that is what I do know. My opinion is you should have a gallon of it at your house. 
so that if there's a problem and if there's a pneumonia outbreak, if the flu hits, you've got something that's valuable for you and your whole family and you have it right this minute. You can have the gel as well because if you get a fever blister, you want it to go down right now and just taking that silver and putting it on that wound can help it heal quicker and better and even uh, possibly prevent further outbreaks. So that's why I think it's kind of your, if you're your own doctor, you know you need silver and you don't need to wait for the government to give it to you. Right, exactly. Um, and I was just thinking because I used to manage water for our municipality and I used to work in federal government, provincial and and municipal government. So I'm always thinking like, you know, once this gets really catches on, you know, what what are these people going to do with it? Um, from the from a virus perspective, now we didn't talk about the viruses very much. We talked about parasites. We talked about bacteria. And how does um, silver work with viruses? Well, when you realize that viruses cause the most severe suffering ever seen on the face of the planet, think of Ebola virus. It liquefies your cells and you just bleed out of your eyes, of your whole body. Viruses are not alive and they're not dead. Mm -hmm. They're little incomplete segments of DNA and it injects itself into your healthy cells. So you'll now start replicating abnormally and they cause cancer and they cause all kinds of hurtful blisters and silver works because the virus gets into your bloodstream and wants to attach to the healthiest cell with the most energy it can find, then inject its DNA in there. And now it's like a Trojan horse. It gets to live inside this cell and the immune system isn't going to touch it because it sees the cell as being normal. Then 10,000 cells rupture out of that cell, spread throughout your body. But silver has the ability to transfer energy better than any other mineral. So when silver is circulating through your body by drinking it, you know, two teaspoons twice a day, the virus will attach to the silver and bind with it, and then it will be excreted out of your body in 12 hours, never getting the infection mm. or helping the 10,000 cells that ruptured to bind to something so it leaves quicker, faster, and easier. And so that's how it helps with the viruses. Okay, I love that explanation. That's really detailed, and um, I can completely see how that's working in the body as well. So, um, my daughter, she had meningitis. She, you know, we never knew if it was bacterial or viral because they kept misdiagnosing her for five days um, until I said, "We're not leaving the hospital. We're not unhooking her from all of the things she was hooked up to." And you know, the doctors had said, "Well, we've tried everything. We've run every test. We can't find it." I'm like, "Well, you haven't tried everything. You haven't even done a spinal tap." And you know, that's number one. Well, Number one, yeah, exactly when you think they have meningitis. And so um, so we never would have known. But in that case, so for kids, we can give it to kids? Absolutely. And we give it to children at half the adult dose when they're 75 pounds or less. Okay. And even if they're only one year old, they still get half, which is just one teaspoon twice a day. But if they're over 75 pounds, we give them two teaspoons twice a day. And if you're over 300 pounds, we'll double that dose as well. Okay, that's very, very helpful because I have three kids and, um, you know, we're knock on wood, you know, pretty healthy and we seem to get through flu and cold season here in Whistler, BC, where, I mean, it's the, I mean, it, we have people from all over the world coming and, you know, 60,000 people a day or 80,000 people a day in our town. So every bacteria and virus and, you know, um, parasites coming through this town and STD, unfortunately, um, as well, but it is... Oh, I get to talk about that, don't I? Yes, you do. Talk about STDs. How does it work? How, silver, the STDs. Silver 
silver gel is water soluble, feels and looks just like KY jelly, works just like KY jelly, but imagine for the first time, you now have a personal lubrication that will destroy bacteria, viruses, yeast, all of the sexually transmitted diseases destroyed when you use the silver gel as a personal lubricant. That's a great story. That I could is... do a person. I could do one of those public announcement commercials for that one alone, except it would embarrass my wife. Yeah. So anyway. And your daughter, maybe, maybe not. She might think oh. she might get a kick out of that. That's hilarious. Anyway, but the reality is very simple. It can be used. Silver gel is the finest thing to be used intravaginally because when it's in there, it can destroy a yeast infection overnight, a bacterial vaginosis, literally in a matter of minutes. And even the HPV virus I've done studies on. So imagine if, if my finger were a tampon and I totally coat it with silver gel, put it in at night. In the morning, I take it out. I've just had eight hours of a treatment in there. Just in three nights, you're going to find a great benefit for either yeast, bacterial, or viral infections of the vagina. Now, that's important because you go to a doctor and the doctor puts you up on the table and puts your feet in the stirrups and said, I think you need a antibacterial and prescribes macrobid or an, an antibiotic. Antibiotics make yeast grow. Exactly. And you come back three days later going, it's way worse than it ever was before. Then they prescribe Lamisil, an antifungal drug and that makes bacteria grow. And women will be going back and forth through the humility, uh, the, the inhumane treatment of having to be up on that table and a doctor guessing which one it is, when in reality, silver gel in one night will do more than both of those drugs put together. Yeah, and I have seen uh, so many women where we do a full health history, so we actually go through every decade of their life, so 0 to 10, 11 to 20, and you know, and I ask them, have you had any trauma, physical in injury, illness, um, any drugs of any kind, any surgeries, and you know, we have to ask this because people tend to forget, you know, what they've been through, and you know, if they don't know, I'm like, go ask your parents, and then by doing that and seeing your whole health history on a page, we get to see trends in your health as well, so for most of my clients, you know, it's digestive issues that started from when they were quite young. Um, a lot of them, you know, bacterial overgrowth, yeast overgrowth, all of this, um, you know, consistently decade over decade. And what it tells us as well, though, is that despite all the treatments, the doctors never were able to pinpoint. And it's also because they're not looking at their health history on one page. They're looking at the last time that they came in, right? Well, oh, you were in for a cold, but they're not looking at all the other things that they had going on at the same time. So with this whole health history, it really shows. But what these health histories also show is the overuse of antibiotics. I've had clients that have been prescribed antibiotics almost every single day of their life since they were young. And they go for different things like, you know, for it'll be like an ear infection and then it'll be like a gut thing and then it'll be a vaginal thing. And, you know, so, so many, but I mean, as physicians and people move around, they go to different doctors. So the doctors aren't seeing their past medical histories. So they're just like, oh yeah, take this antibiotic. But they haven't asked how many times have you been on antibiotics? So some of these people are on like 10 times a year antibiotics. And it's atrocious. And so if they can treat themselves and use themselves as their own doctor, and use their common sense and obviously try the silver first, you know, if you can do that, depending on the type of bacterial infection it is, you know, then if you can get yourself and wean yourself off of that consistent prescription overdose of antibiotics, then I mean, you're on your way to health right there. 
Yeah, you, you summed it up and you know exactly what my cause is. And you know, women alone will make this cause so powerful that uh, they'll take care of their children and their husbands and everything. And that's why I've written a book for women's health. And if you go to my website, mydoctorsuggests.com, I'm more than happy to give you that book for free just so it will help. Okay, that's amazing. I am signing up for all your books and I hope I can get your autograph. You might see them arrive in a box. It won't have the gold seal or the red stamp or anything like that. <laughs> I deserve that. I deserve that. But, um, you know, maybe one day, maybe one day. Um, but I've had such a great time, but they're, they're, they're begging on my door telling me I have to go play doctor right now. I must have an emergency or something. Yes. And so I don't mean to cut you off, but we can close here, but I've got to run. Yeah, for sure. So how can, so do you see patients as well? I do. I do, but only after they've been recommended from a doctor who can't figure out what else they can do and there's no other options, I get them then. Okay, good. So just to finish off, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been such a pleasure. I've learned so much. You're an incredible teacher, incredible educator. So how can people get in touch with you? We know that they can go to your, um, just repeat your website again so they can get your books. MyDoctorSuggests.com. Let me spell it because it's confusing. It's M Y D O C. T-O-R-S-U-G-G-E-S-T-S dot com. My doctor suggests dot com. And there's over 200 videos that I've done on there educating people about silver and about the benefits of uh, wellness. Everything I have focuses on the issue of the essence of wellness. And we talked about that. It's in my books and I'm delighted to help with uh, all of these things. You do a great job. uh, uh, And everyone that's listening, you should know how lucky you are to have this point of view. I'm delighted to help and share. Go through her to get to me. How's that? (laughs) Great. So if we can't help you solve your problems, then we are going to send you to Dr. Peterson Peterson for sure. So thank you so much. We're going to go let you help that patient of yours and deal, put out those fires. Um, Thank you so much once again. And I'm sure we're going to have to hop onto another show together because there's so many more topics that I want to cover. So thanks everyone. Thanks, Dr. Peterson. Have an amazing day. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast. I always find it so refreshing to be able to talk to someone who has multiple designations. So Dr. Pedersen is a medical doctor and a naturopath, five times board certified. I mean, that's pretty impressive and it really speaks so much to who he is. Um, He's somebody that wants to research and understand and learn. And he's not just in the job of being a doctor, He is in the lifestyle and career and passion of being a healthcare practitioner, which we need more and more healthcare practitioners to really, truly step up and take on those roles. Now, some of you might be listening and saying, well, you know, um, maybe he had all these liberties that he was able to go to school and to be able to finance that and he has time and, you know, we didn't get into whether he has a family life. But at the end of the day, You know, so much of us waste our time watching Netflix, playing video games, um, drinking. um, What else do we do? There's so many activities that we do that really are just to numb us out as opposed to engage us in our life and spark our creativity, teach us new things, and 
when we are in that place of wanting to devour information, the same way we devour junk food, if we were all to devour that quality knowledge and start thinking creatively, we can actually come up with so many of the solutions to the problems that we face on an economic scale, environmental, social, health, education. We need deep thinkers in our communities and we need leaders and Dr. Pedersen is definitely one of those people. So let us know what you think about this podcast. Go out there and learn something new today. I love my mentors and my coaches that I've had in the past. Every single one of them, they read for a minimum of half an hour a day. So everybody can do it. I tend to do it when I'm sitting on the toilet. I do it just before I go to bed at night. Even if I'm really tired, I'll start reading and fall asleep reading. Um, You know, I like to read at any moment that I get a chance because it always helps me to put pieces of information together and start thinking systemically about our world, about our life, about my health, my family's health, and about so many different subject matters. It actually just ties everything in together. So yes, let us know what you thought about this podcast. Try Silver if you haven't tried it. I happened to mention this to one of my clients. She went out and bought some Silver and a cold that she had been fighting for weeks and weeks and couldn't get over it. She was able to get over a cold in two days. Is that just a coincidence? I don't know. Mary Lynn, who's incredible and she does our podcast editing and makes everything come together so that they can go live for you to enjoy them. She had an ankle injury that she needed surgery and they put silver on her ankle to help it heal. The medical doctors did that. And so it's, you know, if you're hearing this for the first time and you think like, that's crazy, I'm not gonna take silver. I don't know, dive into the research, read about it a little bit, um, try it out, go talk to other doctors, see if it's in the Merck Book of Medicine or in the, you know, different books that doctors access to, you know, have information about how they can treat certain conditions and see what those books say about silver. So if you're doubting anything that you're ever hearing, please go do more research and check it out for yourself. I want you to feel comfortable when you do these. I don't make any money from any of the people that we have on our show. So there's no financial reward for me to, you know, mention, you know, maybe try silver if you have health issues that you can't get over. Um, So yeah, enjoy learning. Uh, Let us know what you are learning about. I always love to hear new information um, from people and from our listeners and our guests. So yeah, share the information that you discover if it's about silver, about this podcast or any of our other podcasts. And if you happen to be in the Sea to Sky region in Edmonton, Port Moody, North Vancouver, come check out one of our green mustache locations. We have a new menu that's gonna be coming out in a few months. We're so excited by it. Our food is beyond extraordinary. How we are different from all the other restaurants out there is that we don't use refined processed food ingredients in our meals, our beverages, our smoothies, our juices, and our desserts. We only use the best of the best, high quality, 100% organic, whole food, plant-based ingredients. And it's a place where if you're celiac, you can come eat at our restaurant. It's the place that if you have such poor digestive issues that you can't eat anything, you can come eat at our restaurant because we don't have any ingredients in our food that's gonna disrupt 
your belly. And in fact, our food is gonna help you grow your microbiome, regenerate it so that you can reclaim your digestion and ultimately reclaim your health. So stay tuned for our next podcast. And in the meantime, take care and be well.